Let's get into the word to book of Jeremiah. How many woke up this morning or have woken up in the past and on some certain day and you've said, why, why am I here? Does anybody ever do that? Uh, if you're alive, you do. Amen. We all have. Maybe some more frequently than others. But we ask that question, God, why am I here? Why am I on this earth? And if you haven't asked yourself that question, I challenge you to ask yourself that question because you need to realize that you're not here by accident. And you're not just passing through or just wasting time, but God does have a purpose for you. And I want to talk this morning about what my purpose is in this life. What my purpose is in this life. How many know that when you have a purpose, it changes everything? Everything. Amen. If you, if you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, if you don't have a reason to go through life, it, it, it can be very depressing. You can get very lazy. You can get very complacent. You can get to where you're not doing anything. You know, yesterday we had a, an awesome outreach. We had 60 people show up for the outreach. Amen. It was a powerful outreach. We went out to a lot of houses, and there was a purpose of why we came. We had a reason why we woke up that morning, and there was an excitement in the church, in the people. People got out for the very first time and shared their faith, knocked on a door, talked to people, got out of their shell, and some said, I wish we could have kept on going. Amen. Well, the good news is you can because that is your purpose. Your purpose is to share Jesus. Amen. Your purpose is to tell others about the Lord. But I could even sense this morning as we came in, because of that outreach yesterday, there was still an excitement from yesterday. That the people felt like, man, I did something yesterday. I did something for God. And I kind of want to get into that this morning. And I want you to know as we go on through this message and look at some scripture, that if you get God's purpose in your life, you'll be happy. I'm going to want to be happy this morning. You will never be fully happy until you do what God wants you to do. And I want to read some verses. Some of these are my favorites. I'm going to reread in a second my very favorite verse that I sent out this morning. But look at Jeremiah 1. And I want you to know this morning that this is, this is a, a, a powerful, powerful scripture about who you are. And I know this morning there's some people here who, who feel like you might never admit it. But you feel like you were an accident. You feel like you weren't planned. You feel like there was a, there was a reason that the, the reason you're here is not really God. Amen. It's not really anything that, that was a, on purpose. You just feel like I'm, I'm just a waste. Amen. I'm just flesh. That's because cell phones are on. Turn your cell phones off. Amen. Just kidding. I just got to blame it on something. Do I sound like I'm in a closet, Jeff? All right. Well, get me out of the closet, please. I don't like closets. Amen. I don't like being closed in, if anybody knows me. Jeremiah chapter 1. Amen. Please do remember to turn your cell phones off, though, when you come in to the church. We can live without them for a couple hours. Games, texts, emails, and all that stuff, all right? Jeremiah 1. Look at what this says in verse 5. How many are there? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Amen. That's enough right there to just go home on. Amen. Before I even put you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Now, I'm not going to go off and chase a rabbit on the fact of how horrible abortion is, how wrong abortion is, and all that. We know that this morning. And this verse blows that out the water. Oh, it's not a person until they come out. Oh, it's not a person until they get to a certain 
six months, five months, three months, eight months, whatever. The Bible says here we are a person before we're even formed in our mother's womb because this body is not what we are. Our soul and our spirit is what we are. Amen? And before you were placed into your mother's stomach, you were God's apple of his eye. Amen? You are a planned person. And like I said last week, there was a friend that I, of mine that was born out of a $20 bill, born of a prostitute. That act was not God's will. That's not what God planned. But out of that tragedy, out of that sin, out of that mistake, God made a man who today is preaching the gospel all over the world and sharing his testimony of what God has for his life. So it doesn't matter how you were born. Maybe you were born by accident. Your parents told you you were an accident. Amen? Maybe you feel like you were an accident. Maybe you feel like you were your third child and they were only wanting two. And they told you that. Amen? I know there's some people in here who have heard some stuff in your life and it has hurt you, but I want you to know this morning that God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. Amen? You are not an accident. He says, before I formed you in the mother's womb, I knew you. You were born, before I born, you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now, is he just talking to Jeremiah? He's talking to all of us. Amen? And we are all prophets this morning. We are all evangelists this morning. We might not be in a scale of you getting up in front of thousands of people, but you're a prophet in your house. You're an evangelist in your school. You're an evangelist at work. Amen? You're an evangelist to your neighborhood, to your family. And he has set you apart and sanctified you so that you would do something on this earth that would be eternal. Can you say amen? How many believe that this morning? He has a plan and a purpose. You are not an accident. I love this, these verses. And then he goes on. I want to go a little further. He says, oh, Lord God. So what, this is what we all do right here. We know right now, I got you excited. Oh, yes, I've got a plan. I'm, I'm supposed to be here. God's got a purpose and all these things. But now we realize uh, it's like knocking at that door, okay? <laughs> Yesterday, you, you were excited till you got to the door. <laughs> and then when you got to the door, you had to knock and... And I know some people are probably going, you know, not knocking too hard, just in case, you know, they might actually open the door. And inside you're praying, oh God, please don't let them be home. Amen? And we joked about as we came back and told war stories that many people were home and the dogs were, were looking back. We saw the dogs looking back at the owners, but they weren't answering. But that's kind of how we are with God. Okay, I got a purpose. God wants to use me, but... Now what? I freeze. And Jeremiah did the same thing. So how many know, if we know Jeremiah's names in this book, he did something pretty awesome. Right? He was powerful. He's one of the major prophets of the Bible. And he turned into a mighty man of God. But look at what he said before he ever got started. What many of us do. He said, oh Lord, I can't speak for I'm a child. How many know we always put excuses out? I can't do nothing for God. I'm, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I can't talk. I have no talent and all that. And guess what? The good news is he doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need you to be bold. He just needs your availability this morning. Amen? He just needs you to say, if God can use anything, he can use me. And so he says, I can't do it. I'm just a youth. And then the Lord says, don't say I am a youth, for you shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. And then he says, the Lord put his hand on his mouth, 
and said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Now go over to Jeremiah 29. And look what it says there in Jeremiah 29, 11. This is the verse I sent out this morning. This is my favorite verse. I have lots of them, but this is my very favorite verse. I've always, people have always asked me, what's your favorite verse? And this is it. It says, verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Do you realize that I'm talking about the living God this morning? the creator of the universe. I'm not talking about a president. I'm not talking about a a comedian. I'm not talking about a famous athlete. I'm not talking about a billionaire. I'm talking about the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. The creator of the world thinks about you. Amen. He's thinking about you. You're on his mind. That's a powerful thought. I love that, that, that God is thinking about me. His mind is on me. A God that was so big that he made this world. When was the last time you looked at a big mountain? Amen. Not too many here in Texas. When was the last time you looked at something that looked over the ocean or looked at some huge uh, building even that was made by man that God put that town? You just see something so amazing. The universe, look out into the stars, look at the sun, the moon, and you say, that God that strung the stars in heaven is thinking about me. Man, that ought to get you excited this morning. Amen? That same God. And he says, I know the thoughts I have toward you. And guess what? They're not bad thoughts. They're not evil thoughts. He says, they are thoughts of peace and of not, not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Amen. How many know that your hope this morning is in Jesus? It is in Jesus this morning. Amen. Not in anything else but Jesus. And then he gives a little promise right here. Watch this. He says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Amen. That's, that's a promise of God this morning, that he is going to use you. He's thinking about you. He's got plans for you this morning. He's got an abundant life for you. As Pastor Andrew said at the offering, he wants to bless you. He wants good things, but he just wants us to love him back. Amen. How many love the Lord back this morning? He's a God that is worthy of love. Amen. We could never love him enough, but I'm going to tell you something that can't speak for you, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to pay back my Lord for what he has done for me. Amen. I'm not going to be a taker. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to give back of what God has given me. I, can't, I could never even pay a cent of the priceless pay, price he paid for me on the cross, but I'm going to do everything I can to do that. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to read something that the Lord put on my heart for this morning. What is my purpose in this life? And I want you to understand this morning that we are working for something that is eternal. Amen? We are working for something that is going to last forever. Sometimes I have to admit, as a pastor getting up here and preaching a message, I can get frustrated. I can get sometimes even angry, wondering, God, why don't people get it? Amen? Why don't they get a revelation? God, help them. I can't. It's not. My words are never going to do it. But God, give these people a revelation that they're just not here to just be here. I talked a little bit about it on Wednesday night that sometimes we can get in a rut 
and you can start coming to church and you can do all kinds of things and you are just going through the motions. You're yawning, you're bored, you're thinking about what you're going to eat after church, you're thinking about what you're going to do later. Your mind is not on God, but you're here. And praise God you're here. But I've always kind of had the mentality that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all the way. If I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to stay home. Why come? If I'm here, I'm going to get something. Amen. So for a few minutes, we have to focus on the word, and we got to realize that this is real. Eternity is real. Life is real. Death is real. It's real. It's not just something that's in the movie that's going to end and it's going to be over. And I know sometimes even as teenagers, young people, old people, wherever we're at in our life, we get to a place where our mind wanders. I talked about that on Wednesday, where we begin to daydream. But we have got to realize that the short life we live on this earth is going to be over soon. We don't know when we're going to die. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. What have you done for the Lord? What have you done for Jesus? Because I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Only what I've done for Jesus is going to last. There's people in here who have degrees. Praise God. There's people in here who are successful. Praise God. There's people in here who are smart. Praise God. There's people in here who are talented. Praise God. We give glory to God for all those things. But none of those things are going to do anything in eternal life. Only what you do for Jesus is going to last. And one day you're going to realize that. If you have a degree, you have a good job, you have a talent, you, you're successful, praise the Lord. He should be getting glory for all that stuff. But you've got to realize, man, what am I doing with that talent that the Lord has given me? Because in the end, we're going to have to stand before a living, loving God. And we are going to have to say, Lord, this is what I did with the purpose you gave me in my life. Amen? So I'm not going to talk this morning to sinners. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people who have their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm talking to people who want to do something for God and, and realize that when this is all said and done, I, I, again, I'm not going to be asked what kind of car I drove when I get to heaven. I'm not going to be asked how many square feet my house was. I'm not going to be asked what, how many degrees I had on the wall. I'm going to be asked, what did you do for me? What did you do for my kingdom? What did you do that will last? Say, I want to do something that will last. Amen. I believe you. I believe you. I want to do something for God that's going to last. Now look at 1 Corinthians 3. These are some powerful, yet at the same time sobering verses. Sober means to wake up, right? Get out of the, the, the drunkenness of slumber, of laziness, of all those things. And we wake up and go, wow, God, i got to do something. I, there's days, trust me, church, there's days we don't want to do anything. I told the people yesterday at Outreach, you're never going to want to get up out of bed and go do outreach. It's very rarely going to happen, amen? But the closer you get to God and the more you love the Lord, the more you want to do something for him. If, you have to, if it's pulling teeth to get you to do something for God, I challenge you to get on the altar. Fall in love with the Lord again. And realize God has done so much for me, how could I ever pay him back? 
And I'm telling you, church, you're going to be thankful to me one day that I preach these kind of messages so that when you get up and stand before God, you're not empty-handed. Have you ever gone to a birthday party and not had a gift to give? Right? Awkward. Everybody's giving gifts. Have you ever been to a wedding and you look over at the table and people are putting their gifts on the table and you go, oops, I forgot to bring a gift. That's embarrassing, right? I don't want you to get to heaven and stand before God and have nothing to give. Nothing to give to Jesus. Amen? He is going to be he's so worthy of a gift. And his gift, the gift that I can give him this morning is my life. My very life. Amen? Now watch what these scriptures say. I'm going to show you that this is biblical. 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to start in verse 5 because this kind of talks about what we did yesterday. Look at verse 5. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Okay, we don't know when we do things for God where and when and how things are going to work out, but we wake up in the morning and we say, God, this is about the kingdom. This is about the team. Amen? You've heard the old saying, there's no I in team. Church, we've got to be more team-oriented. We've got to be less selfish and more kingdom-minded and saying, God, I want to do something for your kingdom. I'm not looking for the glory. I'm not looking for a pat on the back. Amen? I'm looking to please you. And make you happy, Lord, because you have done so much for me that I could never, ever, ever pay you back. Amen. If you're here and inside your mind right now, you're rolling your eyes, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to fall in love with Jesus again. You need to fall and say, God, please draw me close to you again, Lord. I'm telling you, this world pulls. This world pulls on you. And that is why we are so adamant about prayer and humility and the altar and finding time with the Lord because, guys, this flesh is strong. And this flesh is lazy. And this flesh wants to be fed sinful things and, and do sinful things and not do the will of God. But I'm telling you one day you're going to be thankful that you had a mind of Christ and said, God, help me think about eternity. Help me be more mindful of what's going to happen at the end. Help me think of how I can get people to heaven. That's all that's going to matter. I, I believe people are going to be whipping out their, their certificates and their, 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 their degrees and their, all these things trying to impress God. What in the world can you impress God with? I don't, think, I don't think there's a whole lot we have that will impress God. He'll be like, let me go show you something impressive. <laughs> See the universe? I just said, let there be light. Boom. I mean, don't try to impress God with things. And I'm going to show you in these scriptures that what impresses Jesus is a humble heart, a, a heart that loves him, and he who wins souls. He who has the kingdom in mind. That's what impresses Jesus. And watch these verses. Look at verse 9 with me. For we are God's fellow workers. Newsflash, you're a worker. There are no supervisors in the kingdom of God. 
If you feel like you're called to supervise, you're in the wrong business. We are all fellow, God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But watch this. We've been talking about this for about the last month. But take heed how you build on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You are, if you are believing in Jesus Christ this morning, if he is your Lord and your Savior, I, remember what words I just said, Lord and Savior, not your insurance, not someone you call on when you need something. Not a, not a good Christianese word. I've been talking about that with my brother. You know, it's just like the word Christian. Christian doesn't mean anything today. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody's saved, it seems like. It's, you know, we were walking up to houses yesterday and seeing God bless this home and, you know, all these things. It's like, you know, we, we got it down having to look like we've got it together. As a nation, right? We got, we got it down. But how many people really, honestly, and truly may have made Jesus Lord? Amen? The real word for Jesus, my brother says, is Yeshua, right? Use that name. That's the true word. But even the name Jesus has been watered down because everybody calls on it, and it's actually a cuss word. I mean, it's in all the movies. But is Jesus this morning your Lord? Is he your savior this morning? Is he your foundation? Is he what is everything you're building on this morning? Is he everything? Or is he just somebody you pick up on the way to church this morning? Off the shelf. Come on, church. I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody in here, right? That can happen. Hey, Jesus, you ready? It's, it's Sunday. Well, what about Monday? What about Thursday? What about Saturday afternoon? What about Sunday at 2 o'clock in the morning? Is Jesus Lord? Only what you do for Jesus will last. Now watch this. For no other foundation is laid that is not Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's works will become clear. For the day will declare it. What day? That day of judgment. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. Yet so through as through the fire. Now these verses are not to unbelievers. This is for the believer. And God is saying, look, at the end, you're all going to come in and we're going to have a reward ceremony. Amen. And when you stand before me, I'm going to take your works. And sometimes we think, well, God's not really paying attention. It's Monday. That work is being marked down. That attitude is being marked down. 
that lack of all everything we do. Not sin. Listen, I'm not talking about sin that's going to send us to hell. The blood of Jesus has saved us. We're forgiven. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about the things you do or don't do for the kingdom of God. It's all being written down. And I want to kind of just break this down this morning for a minute so you have an understanding what they are. And I'm going to do it backwards. I'm not going to start with the bad, good, and end with the bad. I'm going to start with the bad and end with the good. All right? So he says here in this verse, how many saw this verse with me? And actually do something with me. Go over to 2 Corinthians real quick and let me show you even clearer what, where this will take place. Okay, you're in 1 Corinthians 3. Hold that and don't lose it. But just go over in the Bible to your right towards the, towards the end of the Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the first few verses begin to talk about that this body that you have that you're living in this morning is not your earthly, is not, it's just an earthly tent. This is just temporary. This is not who you are. Who you are is your spirit and your soul, amen, that's going to live forever. This is just a body. Okay? And so we, we, and when somebody dies, that's what we hold on to because that's all we know. But this is not really us. And so that earthly tent is going to die and it's going to, the incorruptible is going to, sorry, the corruptible is going to become incorruptible. Amen. We're going to have glorified bodies. Many are saying, thank God. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Because anything that even looked glorifying was gone a long time ago. Amen. I heard people joke about, I've got a six pack. It's just under three or four layers of fat. Amen. We, We are going to have a new body. Amen. We're going to have everything made new. But look at first, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, that means with God or here on earth, to be well-pleasing to him. Now stop there just for a second. Is that in your mindset during the week? Don't answer me. Don't shake your head. Don't say, I just want you to think about that for you. Not, not so somebody else will see you shake your head yes, or not so you'll feel good, but you ask yourself that question this morning. During the week, not today on Sunday, during the week, is it your aim to please Christ? That should be our aim. That should be something that we're thinking about. And yes, we're going to have times we fail. Yes, we're going to have times we're not doing it right. But is it your aim? Is it your goal? Because you can think of a lot of things during the week that is your goal. There's a lot of work goals, there's a lot of financial goals, there's a lot of physical goals, there's a lot of goals that we have. The aim of pleasing Jesus should be number one. Many people say, why am I not happy, why am I not fulfilled? Because you're not in love with Jesus. Let me say that again. Why am I not happy, why am I not fulfilled? Because Jesus is not Lord of your heart. Your heart is cluttered with all these worldly things. And they don't even have to be sinful things. They just have to be things that are in the way. Things that are not God. Things that are just kind of fulfilling and filling a place. And there's nothing wrong with hobbies and having fun and enjoying life. But as you're doing those things, I know that even as I'm watching a football game, I can think, be thinking, man, I love my Lord. Amen. I thank God that one day I'm going to be in heaven. I can, I can be minded about the Lord at all times. I don't just come in on Sunday morning and go, i got to put my Sunday service, service face on and act Christian today. Amen. He's Lord all the time. 
and my aim should be to please him all day, every day, in everything I do. And here's why. For we must, verse 10. A few of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who? Is that going to leave anybody out? The only people that are not going to stand before Jesus on the judgment seat of Christ is the ones that are going to stand on the great white throne judgment, which is for damnation. But believers, you and I, are going to stand before Jesus Christ, and we're going to give an account. Watch this with me, verse 10. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. And look at this, whether good or bad. Now, again, let me remind you, that's not, that's not talking about sin that will send you to hell. This is talking about your works. Your works. And this is not talking about your works that get you saved. Because you can't get saved by your works. This isn't, this isn't me doing these things so I'm good enough to be saved. Because you'll never be good enough. This is you, what you're doing now that you are saved because you're thankful that you're saved and that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. I'm thankful. Amen. Again, if you're not thankful this morning, you need to hit the altar. Because you should be thankful. I mean, it should be in your mouth at all times. That's why David said, at all times I praise you. Your word, your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. Look, I could talk about God all day long. I got friends here that know me. I can sit in the car. I can sit on a basketball court. I can watch a game. I can sit here in church. I can talk about my Lord all day long because he's everything to me. This is not about religion. This is about a relationship. And when, you're, when you love somebody, you talk about them. When you begin around somebody, look, it's, oh, he talked about football. He talked about sport. If that's all they talk about, something's wrong. Jesus better come up. He better be in the conversation. And if you get around someone that you never, ever hear anything passionate about the Lord, I question. I question. You get around somebody who loves the Lord, that, that love and that relationship is going to seep out of their life. You're going to know that they have a relationship with God. You're going to know that that person is important in their life. Why, church? Why do we need to live like this? Because we're going to appear before Jesus. We're going to give an account. Now watch verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. That's not, that, that's not trying to scare you. That's a reverence. We persuade men. I'm up here persuading you to think about your future. But we are all well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. And so we're going to do this backwards real quick. In that verse, go back to 1 Corinthians 3. I just showed you right there in the Word that we're going to stand before the Lord. Amen? And I want you to go back and read this one more time. Give me just a few minutes, and I'll run through this, and this will help you. 1 Corinthians 3, we read it a few minutes ago, says that we're going to have to build the foundation, and there's six things that he talks about. There's three good and three bad. We see the word bad. You could really translate that this morning to six things, good meaning that will last, and bad meaning that will be burnt, that they're meaningless. How many are following me? 
So it's not the bad in the sense of sin because when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, our sin's not going to be brought up. Are you following me? You would not be able to stand before Jesus if your sin was brought up. This is something that you are saved. It's not that you're going to stand up there and he's going to go, okay, let's weigh this out. See, some religions believe, okay, you've done this much good and you've done this much bad and let's just, how scary would that be? How'd you like to stand before God and it'd be like Russian roulette? Okay, you get six bullets and if one of these doesn't kill you, you can stay. Are you following me? Some people believe that if your good is better than your bad, I mean, how horrible would that be to be standing before God? You got your chest puffed out. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. And the good's laid on there. And it's like, you're like, yeah, yeah. And you're excited, right? And then he goes, okay, now let's talk about the bad. And as you're standing there, your chest puffed out begins to sink in. Your white face begins to turn red. You begin to get a little bit embarrassed as the works of bad go up, 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 and it outweighs the bad. And then it's like, and the door falls out on you, and bam, you're gone. Thank God we're not going to be there on judgment day by our works. We're going to be there by grace. Amen. By the blood of Jesus. But I'm going to give an account of the things I did that last and the things I did that are worthless or meaningless, if you want to write that. Meaningless. They're not bad necessarily. They're just meaningless. And so if you want to have a crown, you need to be doing things that are eternal. And So doing this backwards real quickly, I need to run through this for time. The first one he talks about, he talks about gold, silver, and precious stones. Then he talks about wood, hay, and stubble, okay? So quickly running through this. Wood, these are the three things that you can do, church, that are going to be burnt up. They're not going to last. They're not going to give you a reward. And the wood is, is, not, is, is an example of something that is valuable, okay? Wood is valuable. Wood, you can do This pulpit is built out of wood. This church has a lot of wood in it. Wood can burn in a fireplace. Wood, wood is used for sitting on chairs. Wood is used for making beds. Wood is, is framing houses. It's a, it's a good thing, but it's not something that is like gold or silver or precious stones. Okay? So that can be an example of the things that we build ourselves in our own. How many times have you done something thinking, oh, that was pretty good, and God's like, uh... Right? You're building it. It's something you're doing. It's you. That's wood. Psalms 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So wood would be a work that you would be doing that would be something that is just uh, you, it's, it appears right in your own eyes, but it's not what God's asking you to do. Let me just give you an example, just a generic example. God's calling you to be a missionary, okay? He, I mean, it's clear as a bell. You're supposed to go to the mission field. I know that call very well. I know what it sounds and feels like. I've been there. God calls you to be a missionary, so I'm going to use myself as an example. As when God told me to go to Costa Rica, and, and God had placed that in my heart, and it was something he was telling me to do, I could have said no. I could have walked in the permissible will of God, 
I could have pastored or I could have done something else. And I could have even, maybe I was in a church where I could have been the pastor. It was good financially and everything. I could have stayed in that church and said, you know what, God? I'm not going to go to the mission field, but I'm going to send tons of money to the mission field. Guess what that would be? Wood. Why? Because I'm building what I want to build. It's still for God. But I'm not doing what God says and says, okay, that's the call of God for your life. I called you to go, but you just want to send. So I got somebody else sending. And I told them to send. So they're, they're, they're going to have gold, precious, souls, silver. They're, that's going to last. But I told you to go. You don't want to go, so that's going to be wood. So you thought all that money you gave was good, and it's got its place, but that's going to be wood. That's not what I told you to do. That's just an example. Hay, wood, hay, and stubble, okay, wood, hay, and straw. Hay is something you feed to animals, okay? So it has a purpose, but it doesn't last. Once that hay is eaten, it's gone. It don't have a second use, amen? It's over with. It's used up. It's of no value. And so listen, hay can stand for the things, watch this, we started and didn't finish. I'm talking about the bad first. We'll end with the good, okay? I'm just, I'm just reading out of the Bible. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Works. Not for salvation, for reward. I, tell me, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We are so good at starting things. If I had a dollar for every idea or ministry somebody ever told me they were going to do in a church over the last 20 years, I'd be rich. I'd be rich. Ideas are the old saying, a dime a dozen. People start stuff all the time. Even in, even in oh, I'm going to start praying, or I'm going to start reading the Bible. Or, I'm, I mean, we do it all the time. And if you don't finish it, it's just hay. It's going to burn up. Okay? How many are following me this morning? I, I know this is a little bit more of a quiet area. That's why I want to end on the good, Okay? But this is a fact, church. These things are going to be placed before God. They're going to go through the fire, and what comes out is going to be your reward. What gets burnt up is going to be none. This is the Word of God. He's making this very clear. The last one is stubble. Oh, let me read Galatians 5, 7, and 8. He says this. Paul says, you ran well. Okay? Basically, you started good. I have a saying all the time. It doesn't matter how you start. It's how you finish. Amen? You can be a bad starter, but as long as you finish, you're good. But don't start and not finish. Finish things. So he says, you ran well, and then he goes, question mark, who hindered you from obeying the truth? He said, who stopped you? Why did you finish the race? Remember when Paul said, I have finished the race. Okay? He was about to go up to heaven. He knew he had finished the race. The last one is stubble. I could spend a lot of time on this one. But I'm not going to. Stubble or straw is basically worthless. It's what's left over from the harvest. And basically, stubble in this works is wasted time. Wasted time. Just, and and you know, you could probably throw in there hobbies or different things, but that would be where that hobby consumes you. 
We all need an outlet. We need something that we can do to take our mind off things. And, but how many know some people have turned their hobby into a career? Amen? I mean, it's good to go and do things and have fun. I mean, I know people who vacation for a living. Amen? God bless them. How many get what I'm saying? Don't be so quiet. Come on, y'all turned on me now. I didn't write this book. Amen? I'm just trying to help you understand it. Wasted time, idle pursuits, vanity of vanities. Things that don't amount to a hill of beans in the kingdom of God. Just, you're just doing nothing. Revelations 4, 9, 11. Whenever living creatures, so I got ahead of myself. An example of that would be spending time on personal hobbies that would be overwhelming us and causing us to be more influenced and more moved by those things than by the things of God. Okay? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If a man can spend a whole lot of money on a boat... I'm just going to pick on the men for a second. And can't pay their tithes or doesn't give to the Lord. That's stubble. That's going to amount to nothing. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having a boat. Pay your tithes. There's nothing wrong with having a nice thing, but have your priorities in order. There's nothing wrong with how many know work first, play second. Okay. There's nothing wrong with some play time if you get the work in first. It's priorities. It's keeping things in order. And I'm telling you this, church, I'm not preaching a condemnation message this morning. I'm preaching a message that's going to have you happy on the day of judgment. Might be a little sad today. Might be a little shaking your head today. Might be a little putting your head down today. But I'm helping you to the day that happens and that stuff starts going through. You can start jumping up and down and shouting and saying, oh, yeah, I see some stuff coming out on the other side. Hallelujah. I see some smoke going up, but I also see some gold and silver and precious stones coming out. And that's going to be a day of rejoicing. Amen. I don't want to just see the smoke, 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 smoke. So quickly, I'll go through the other. Gold. Write these down quickly. I'm just going to take a couple minutes. I'll close. Gold. 2 Peter 1.7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold perishes. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Gold symbolizes faith. Faith. Faith believes when nothing else is right. When, when it all hell's breaking loose and the economy's shaking and things are going bad, you're still paying your tithes and you're saying, Lord, I have faith that I'm putting my money in your kingdom and that is going to come through that fire as gold. When, when it seemed like everybody else is turning away from Jesus, you're saying, I believe in Jesus more now than I've ever believed in Jesus in my life. I've got faith when everybody else doubts. That's gold. That's faith. It symbolizes faith. Now watch this. In the Bible, did you ever pay attention that the only two things that astonished Jesus was great faith and great lack of faith? That was the two he talked about. He didn't talk about the people who had so-so faith. He said, this, I've never seen faith as this. And he, and he was astonished. He talked about that. 
And then he said to other times, I've never seen such a lack of faith. So those are the two extremes. Amen? He didn't talk about so-so faith. And so the key to that is your faith will be tried. Amen? Your, that verse says your faith will be tried. And it stays as gold. We count it as gold as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Second one is silver. Gold, silver, precious stones. Silver, how many know there's a silver anniversary? Okay? There's an anniversary that, how many years is that, by the way? 25, right? You got the 25 year anniversary. Anything that makes it 25 years has some longevity. Okay, there's something to be said about silver. And when you get to an anniversary of marriage or work or anything like that, there's a silver anniversary, and silver symbolizes faithfulness. Faithfulness in your walk with the Lord. Endurance. See how that's the opposite of hay? Endurance, it's finishing. It's completing. It's staying faithful when no one else is staying faithful. It's staying the course when everybody else is going off the course. It symbolizes faithfulness. Paul says, I, I got ahead of myself, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And watch this. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And watch, not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Amen. Those who are looking forward to the reward ceremony. Those who have put in the work for the kingdom of God. Not for salvation, but for thanksgiving. Because God's been so good to me. Finally, precious stones. Malachi 3.16 and 17 says, Then those who feared the Lord, there's a key, spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them, Watch this. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And on that day I will make them my jewels. I will not spare them as a man. And sorry, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Amen. He's making us into jewels right now. But the jewels, the precious stones, represent fruit in your life. He says, I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to bear fruit. Church, we have to have attitude adjustments. We need to get serious about the things of God. You need to know when to laugh, when to cry, when to shout, when to be quiet. You need to know there's a time for joking, and there's a time for fun, and there's a time for work, and there's a time for serious. Anybody that knows me knows I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love to joke. But when it comes to the things of God, I get real serious. Sometimes I get accused of being too serious. People think I'm mad at them. I'm focused. I'm very, I take very serious the things of God. We need to know when and how and why to do things. Amen? And we need to know that someday I, I may have to turn some things off, shut some things off, make some different decisions, cut off some friends, do some things different, have some people not like me. But whatever I do, I'm going to bear some fruit in my life so that I have some precious stones given to me so I can give something back to my Lord. Amen? Joking's good but know when to stop. 
Know when to draw the line and say, okay, now it's time to get serious. Amen? The appearing of Jesus is soon. Amen? This is time to get, this is, okay, it's time to buckle down and get serious and say, Lord, because listen, this is a, a sobering thought, and I'm going to end on this this, tonight, uh, this morning. What, what are you going to, maybe you're here right now and you're listening to this and, and something's telling you, you know what, you've got a lot of work to do. You haven't done anything. And really, that should be all of our thoughts. Even if you have done something. Because that's usually how it works in human beings. Those that need to work more would think they need to work less. Those that really need to get this kind of a message that need to do something for the Lord are the ones that's going to be looking around saying, I hope they got it. I hope, I hope she's listening. I hope they're nodding their head. That's the attitude most of the time the people who need the message have. And then those that are truly doing something for God and working this morning are sitting there going, God, I haven't done anything for you. Lord, please help me do something for you. Help me because there's a humility there. I got work to do. I got work to do. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to make a difference. God has been so good to me. I'll never be able to repay him. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try. You should try. So you won't be disappointed that day. And I'm thankful that that day we're all going to be there together. And no one's going to be able to point the finger at me. Say, you didn't tell me. How come I ain't got no pride? You didn't tell me. I said, yes, I did. Sorry. Got to deal with it. <laughs> Let's see what comes out. I'm glad. Amen? Don't be pointing your finger at me. Work on your own salvation. Work on your own works. Work on your own reward. Amen? Stop looking around and saying, well, they're not praying and they're not doing this and they're not. You know what I decided a long time ago? I'm tired of watching and see what y'all do. I'm going to do something for the Lord because I'm going to get my own prize when I get to heaven. Come with me or stay behind. I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. Musicians, you can come this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. God, we thank you that you're building a church this morning. We thank you, God, that in the end, everything done, good or bad, is going to come to light.